Hello, everybody, and welcome to our third... Third episode. Third official episode of the Offside Vibes podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Ari. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. And we're going to be talking all things the Caro Cup um, that happened overnight. Chelsea losing to Liverpool in extra time. Um, we're going to be talking about a couple of the Premier League games that happened over the, over the weekend. Um, maybe a little bit on the, the Champions League that happened last week, but we'll see how we go. And we'll also be talking about a couple of the games next weekend and a special edition of the, the big Manchester derby next week between Manchester City and Manchester United. So Ari, let's, let's get stuck into it, shall we? Uh, first game on the agenda. We'll talk about Cowboy Cup first, I reckon. Yeah, I think so. Let's let's get into it. Chelsea. Chelsea. Five would the five would the bad. Were they were they a good, were they the better team? That is a question. That some some would say that Liverpool looked a little bit knackered. I think towards towards the end of the game. Um, obviously they had a lot of a lot of players out. Majority of their starting eleven uh, wasn't um, present. wasn't present. Um, but they were still able to get the job done, and that's that's Chelsea season pretty much effectively over. They're, then you you don't think they're going to be doing much in the league from now on until the end of the season. Um, so this was sort of their chance for them to, you know, get something get something out of the season. Um, but unfortunately, they stumbled they stumbled across to Liverpool, um, and they were condemned to a defeat. Well, there was actually a stat recorded. Chelsea, it's I can't remember how long they said, but it's been over like twenty years where in two consecutive years Ch- Chelsea haven't won a silverware. Wait, did I say that right? I think, I think yeah, you, yeah. you said that. Yeah. I said it right. In two consecutive years, Chelsea haven't won silverware, and Chelsea investing billion, millions and billions of dollars into this into the side and they and they can't produce they can't even produce they against, can't perform against plays that you've just never heard they, of they, the they can't produce against let, let's just say Liverpool almost played an academy side uh, apart apart from Van Dijk they played almost effectively a third team out there and Chelsea was still not able to get the job done so it, it shows it shows the lack of quality um, from that Chelsea side which is Almost embarrassing to say. I, I I think you would be embarrassed to be a Chelsea fan after after that game. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough for Chelsea. They they're not going the right way. They have to rely on Nicholas Jackson of all people of all players of all people to score their goals, and I don't think you can rely on that. Chelsea and Liverpool both missing big chances. Gallagher and Cole Palmer had a couple, but also on the Liverpool's end. But you, you can't blame you can't blame Liverpool for missing these chances. That, that, as Sam said, and as you all would know, they have lots of big outs, big injuries, and it's tough for them. It's tough for their side. And Klopp has came out with a masterful performance to salvage salvage a trophy. And how can how much time can you give Pochettino for this Chelsea side? They they playing as I heard they're playing like. Like Tottenham, as in they have good players, except they can't win anything. Yep. They can't uh, get good results. They're getting some good results, it. some good passage of play. They have quality. We've seen the quality that they've that they've shown, but we haven't seen it consecutive games. That's what makes good teams coming week in week out and winning these games, and they just can't do it. And I, I think th- that's like 
Had a mug spare. <laughs> Good way to describe it. Um, yeah, I, I think Chelsea, they've spent a lot of money into this squad. And it almost is... It's so disappointing to see that a, a club that has spent that amount of money, you know, they're, they're sitting mid-table. So it, it just shows to me that I don't think it's necessarily Poch because I think he's a great manager. And I think I think he's got a lot to give to that Chelsea side. But I think something just needs to be done within the squad at the end of the season because they're not going to do anything now. So they've got to wait it out until the end of the season and rejuvenate the squad as it is. Chelsea's sporting director, I must add, Chelsea's sporting director hasn't had any affiliation to Europe since he's joined the Chelsea side. And I think, sorry, I don't think, I know that Chelsea's ownership and Chelsea's, the way they function and the way they act as a, as a soccer side and as a business because soccer teams are becoming a business, it's got to change. Ch- Chelsea won't be able to move forward as a, as a team and as a side if they keep playing the way they're playing, if they keep bringing out these mid-table results, they've got quality. We've seen it. They they showed it against they showed it against Man City, which was a very very good performance from them. But where was it against Liverpool? And this consistency, this consistency, as I spoke about, it's just not there, and it needs to be there, especially with the side that they have and the investment mm-hmm. that they have. And it's got to change. And for any Liverpool fan out there, head out head held. Head held high, moving forward into Klopp's last season. I think they should be very proud of themselves. And Chelsea got a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. They they definitely are into a bit of a hole, and they've you know again obviously got to fix fix the more um, you know the more business side of the club. Um, and look for Liverpool. Hopefully, in Klopp's last season, this may or may not be his last trophy. We'll we'll just have to wait and see. Maybe Premier League or Champions League, which we'll talk about. The Europa League. The Europa League. So, my bad. So anyway, we'll move uh, on. we'll move on from that. We'll talk about Arsenal versus Newcastle. Four-one win. What a performance! Great what, performance. What a performance! We, uh, I must say, I don't know what happened, but we lost the game because we lost a clean sheet. Yeah. That's the only downside. Nah. Other than that, okay. other than that, it was. Five, 10 out of 10 performance no, nothing I wasn't concerned and I wasn't stressed at all at any time during the game um, again the only downside Joe Willock ex-Arsenal player scoring a, scoring a scoring a consolation it's okay but um, look that's alright but look we're still in the Tyler race we're in the hunt and uh, the eye is on the prize as they say the eye is on the prize yeah, coming off a tough loss against Porto at 1-0. Should, should, we, I don't think we should have won that game, but the way because the way we played, we lacked, we lacked purpose. We lacked... We lacked dare. We lacked dare. We lacked... We, couldn't, we, we, we weren't clinical at all with any of our chances, and I think Porto, Porto did, did deserve to win. We didn't even get many chances during the game we at all. We had zero so. shots on target, and you could not win a game with zero shots on target. You're not gonna, the you're, performance was so bad. Uh, I don't know what Arteta was doing in that game, but Arteta's performance, Arteta's tactical performance was not there. 
Arsenal were not clinical. Our attackers weren't clinical. Our midfield was giving away s- sloppy balls to the opposition. Noth- nothing was clicking in that Porto game uh, uh, that sensed to me that we were going to get really anything from it. And the Newcastle game really showed that it was our reaction to that Porto game. We kind of left all the anger out. And as Arteta said, Arteta said that indeed. And he also spoke about that... Sorry, I've got blank here. Arteta said that we wanted more. We, we could have scored more goals. We could have been... We could have won 6-7-8-0. We had lots of the chances. We were very clinical. Um, Newcastle gave away super, so many chances. We were the dominant side. I don't think we've ever... We haven't played that great of a first half than we have in a while, which is very good to look at. And the way we play, we look... Well, we well, had hope to win in the league. Well, the, well, we'll the, be back in the title race. Well, of, well sorry, the, the, the West Ham game, we, we had that game done at half-time, even, even before that being 4-0. Yeah. But um, other than that, but in that game, it took a while for us to, to get going. But in this, in this game against Newcastle, we, we just looked, again, dominant right from the start to the end. I think that's probably the res- that's definitely the response that um, Mikel Arteta would have wanted from from the team, um, from the players. Um, again, goals from set pieces. Nicholas Jova again. He, he, he's you know come to the party. He, he deserves a rise. Um, Saka. Another brilliant performance. Um, Jorginho, again, came into that midfield, got the man of the match. And it's not often that um, a defensive midfielder would, would get a man of the match performance in a 4-1 win. Like You would think that an attacker would would probably get that accreditation. But I guess Jorginho deserved the credit from the way that he went about it. And um, man of the match performance from uh, him. I don't know why Arteta didn't play him in the Porto game. He's one of our only players with round of 16 experience. And and Jorginho was just sitting on the bench, and I, and I was watching that game, and I was just in, in absolute shock. And I think we we need that experience. And when we play at the Emirates, Jorginho must start as he holds that. Same as Kai Havertz, two two Champions League winners for Chelsea in twenty twenty one. Jesus. Oh, and Jesus. Well, he, he well, played in the Champions League, but yeah, yeah, but if yeah, but he he's been injured. But he's been out. I don't know when he's back. When is he back? Um, I don't know when he's. he's I'm not sure, back, but, but there's. Again, if if he squad, comes back, he needs to play. Squad the experience. The squad is definitely lacking that Champions League experience. Um, it was almost like they looked out of place. Like it, it just again in that Porto game, it just didn't look like they knew what was on the line. Um, so I think in these knockout games, and obviously our track record in knockout games, even with Arteta and before him hasn't been that great um, so I think you know we, we need to, he needs to fix the mindset of these players when it comes to these sort of games because we're not going to win a Champions League if we if we don't change that mindset um, again look I'm not alarmed like we you know Arsenal we do lose games everyone loses games I'm not overreacting there's still one game to go. Like it's it's only half time in the leg, so again we we just got to get it done in the in the second leg, and then we'll we'll, we'll go from there. But I'll I don't want to bring it up bring it up, but I think if we do go out in the round of sixteen, I think it's been a 
pretty disappointing return. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. Arsenal must win this next game at the Emirates in front of the home fans at home. And if we do lose, we don't deserve to be... We don't deserve to move on to the Champions League. And I think that will jeopardise our confidence in the Premier League. And I don't think we'll be able to challenge in March, April and May, which which we have had some history of bottling. We have had some history of our season... We have had history of our season ending within two, three games. We have had history of going out in the Champions League or we're doing all right in the Premier League and then we drop a couple of games and all of a sudden our season's over and we're just playing for pride for the rest of the season. And we end up getting top four, but that's just that's just not enough for me. I, I want I want more from the team. Um, I think. Should we move on to United Fulham? Big game. What a game this was. Awobi in the 97th... 97th minute. Ex-Arsenal player scoring at Old Trafford to beat Manchester United. Maguire scored a a goal to level in the 82nd minute and then gave one away in the 97th minute, just being too slow. Hero to victim, they say. Yes. But uh, look, United... United, I was was actually watching this game. Um, United looked poor from the start. Fulham could have been 2-3-0 up at half time that's that's actually how bad man united looked and they definitely didn't deserve to get really anything out of this game and i was very surprised um not like i, I think fulham you know they they're a good side um but i was just expecting manchester united to come into this game to win but um they didn't in the end and it's a bit of a dent in their slim hopes for top 4 or, or Europe, top six. Or even Europe, t- altogether. Uh, some Fulham players are coming out of the shadows. Munez, he's played in the midfield and attacking role. He's gotten lots of returns as of late. He didn't get a return in the Fulham game, but he created lots of chances. And Fulham looked really good in the first half. They created so many chances. As Sam said, they should have been 2-3-0 up at half-time. They did create more in the second half, not as many, which, which can make sense. But I'm very happy if Fulham won. Not just because I just like Man United, <laughs> but also it's a team that it's a team that can challenge these big six teams. We've seen it. We've seen Fulham do it once, and we'll see them do it again. And they're they're a good side. Yes, they're mid table, and yes, they are losing games. They can still challenge. They can still challenge the big six teams, and it creates more. It creates as a neutral. Creates a lot of competition for a neutral fan. Um, for a neutral fan, for a neutral fan, but yeah, again, it was, it was, a great performance from Fulham. Go for it. And they, uh, they, they deserved to get the win, um, and I hope they they stay up, which I, I think they they should in the end. Um, we'll move on to the next game, and this is the last game that we're going to be looking over. Um, Aston Villa versus Nottingham. This game ended four two to Aston Villa. Um, Aston Villa staying in the top four and, and keeping their Champions League hopes alive and Nottingham on the other hand they are right in the relegation battle I believe Douglas Luiz masterclass 
Ollie Watkins again getting on the go- getting on the score sheet. Leon Bailey, Javi, look, Aston Villa looking like a very, very, very good side. There's even been talks about them top like challenging for the title. And and they were I heard someone that was speaking about mm. what's more crazy, Villa winning the title this year or Leicester? Ooh. I think Leicester. I would have to say Leicester. Just given that it was a squad that was almost expected to challenge for relegation. Yeah. Leicester were. But Aston Villa, on the other hand, I think they've been building since they returned back into the Premier League about four or five years ago. Um, they lost Jack Grealish in that time. So I think... But I think they've, they been, almost, they've been able to replace his, they've his been able They've been able to replace him. I think at the time when Villa got rid of him, he was almost irreplaceable in that side, but they've all of a sudden been able to to build a team without him. And, you know, they have had managers and they have been having a bit of a manager go around in that time with um, Dean Smith, Steven Gerrard, and now with Unai Emery in charge, um, so there's been a, a there's been a turnover in in managerial positions, but they've been able to build a team um, around the likes of Watkins and Louise and um, and McGinn, and Villa look like a side that are capable of playing uh, playing playing well in Europe. And maybe even playing in the Champions League if if they can get there in the end. Look, it happens with these these up and coming teams, teams not conventionally in the big six, but are playing as good as a team in the big six. And what what tends to happen is they tend to look good throughout the season. However, in the later part of the season, March, April, May, their consistency drops. And as I spoke about, good teams need consistency, and they need win week in week out. And we're going to have to wait and see in March and April if they if they can still win consistent games and can still play consistent performances. Yes, they're not going to win every game, which is understandable. However, you still need to see these these good performances that you still need to see these good performances from the likes of McGinn, Diaby, Ollie Watkins, and this consistency really helps the side move forward as a club, understand where they are how they can move forward, how can they challenge for the Champions League. And if they can do that, then they are a deserving team. And then in the next season in the Champions League, they will be able to perform well. Well, going back to performing well, if they do end up making the Champions League, maybe it could be another Newcastle situation last season where they got probably the toughest group out of any of the clubs. But that's luck. But... Again, that also comes to luck, and it also becomes, and it also, and it's also where they're placed in the draw, um, and what what hat they're coming out of. Um, but just in general, I think the Premier League has become a lot more open. I think maybe eight to ten years ago, there wasn't too much competition between the. Um, you know the the mid-table sides and the top six sides, your your traditional top six as we know. 
Um, there wasn't as much competition, but now you've got like you know Leicester winning the league. Um, last season you had New- Newcastle finishing top four. Brighton. Brighton, West Ham, Leicester have been in and around the top four, top six. Well, that this was about yeah, yeah, yeah. three, four years ago. They were in and around the top six sort of range. Um, I don't think they ended up finishing top four in the end. Um, Everton were in that mix, but I don't think they got there in the end. Um, so a lot of the, the bottom mid, mid-table sides have, you know, challenged for Europe, which is making that part of the table a lot more competitive um, and then obviously you've had the likes of City and Liverpool um, challenging for the league um, and the likes of even Chelsea as well were challenging for the league in that time but obviously now they've fallen off and in that time you've had Arsenal who you know we we had a bit of a rejuvenation after bottoming out we in the end rejuvenated and now, now we're back up there Shall we move on to a few predictions in the coming weeks yeah let's go or in next week sorry next weekend Brentford Chelsea do you want to start I'll start this one off uh, Brentford versus Chelsea at the G-Tech stadium um, at at Brentford um, difficult one to predict um, again Chelsea coming off that Caro Cup loss I don't think Brentford's form has been up to scratch, but they can pick up results, especially at home. Um, I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. Fair enough. We've spoken a lot about Chelsea already in the Carabao Cup, and I think that performance will translate against Brentford at home, or against Brentford at Brentford's home ground. And I think... Brentford will come out with the win. Ivan Tony, Ivan Tony will score a brace and they will win 2-0. I don't think Chelsea will be able to get a goal. And yes, we've seen Chelsea have put in some strong performances as of late. Diassi. Diassi playing. Diassi playing. He played well against Manchester City. I also thought he played well in the Carabao Cup. So two big performances against two big sides. Sterling. Yeah, but, um, yeah Sterling. Well. Yes, yeah, Sterling as well. And Cuckoo, we'll, we'll see how these players play, but I'm speaking more about the defenders and such. Mm-hmm. The likes of Diasi and Thiago Silva, Ben Chilwell. And uh, y- yes, they have put in some good performances. As I said, the lack of confidence in that side, I think, is dwindling more and more every game with more and more. En- Enzo Fernandez hasn't been able to perform in the league. Yeah. And. I'm so glad that we didn't end up signing Mudrik in the end. I'm so happy that we ended up signing Trossard. Um, which has worked out fine for us. But we're talking about Chelsea here, not Arsenal. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're carried away. Um, getting carried away. So um, I'm going to sit on the fence. I'll go with a 1-1. Should we move on? Everton... Everton versus West Ham. Um, two sides that... At Goodison Park, two sides that have been struggling. Everton fighting for relegation. West Ham have had some pretty poor results over the last few weeks. Um, in fact, over this this last year, the, the calendar year, they haven't 
performed the way that they were probably um, in 2023. Um, a tough one to predict, but I'll go with an Everton win, 2-1. I think, well, I think Everton, Everton and West Ham, both teams haven't looked very, very good. Haven't looked very, very good as of recently. Two very poor teams. Everton, I think, no, Everton have some good players, have some creativity, the likes of O'Neill. Sorry, McNeil, not O'Neill. McNeil. But West Ham also not looking so good, and the, the created the creativity isn't there, and I'm going to go with a 0 0. Zero zero draw. Fair enough. I don't, I don't see any. I don't see any creativity. I don't see any goal threat from each side. And that's why I'm gonna go with a zero zero draw. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we'll move on to the next game. Nottingham versus Liverpool. Shall I speak In Nottingham, you 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 up first. As we've spoken about Carabao Cup, Liverpool's great performance. Something to really. Have your head held high. Yes, Liverpool have these big, big outs. They're still playing great football. They're still scoring lots of goals. And you just can't complain. Klopp's, Klopp's a... Doing the best that he can. World-class manager. Doing world-class things for a world-class club. And yes, Nottingham have some good players. The likes of Alenia. The likes of Awoni. Awoni. Gibbs White. Yes, these players are good. I, I don't believe that Nottingham will have, will be able to challenge. Even though Nottingham are at home, I believe the score will be two one to Liverpool. I just Liverpool. I just want to score goals. They, they'll find it from somewhere. They'll find it from maybe Endo, maybe some of their fullback positions, Bradley. I'm not sure, but Liverpool always manage to find goals. Maybe they'll find it from one of the youngsters. They always find goals, and they'll find one again. Maybe mm-hmm. we maybe we see a Van Dyke header again. Uh, I'm not sure. No, but wait, Liverpool, yes, Liverpool are lacking in their attacking attacking threat as of so many big outs. They'll just keep throwing goals. The, the the goal will come somewhere. I'll agree with Ari. I think this will be maybe closer than what people think. Um, I think Liverpool will find a goal somewhere and I think they'll get the win. So I'm going to go with a 1-0 Liverpool win. We'll move on. Tottenham up against Crystal Crystal Palace. Palace. Roy Hodgson leaving Crystal Palace. That's the the news. There's a speculation that a new manager comes in to get a good result. Yeah, the the new manager bounce. Obviously, but, I like to like. But but usually it comes in the first home game. Yeah, it, it usually does come in the first home game. Um, um, when a new manager comes in, um, Tottenham a little bit inconsistent over the last couple of weeks, haven't they? Those uh, those little rascals they are. But, um, <laughs> they but have, Tottenham have good. They have a good side. They have good players. They have good players. Hunmin Son, Timo, Timo Werner's been playing decent for them. 
with Madison coming back from injury, Richarlison still playing the way he's been playing since the departure of Woodman Sam going to AFCON, and Tottenham do still have a good side, and if they can bring something together, something collaborative, something which plays the way that they like to play, mm-hmm. and they don't let they don't let Palace Palace take that away from them. Palace have some good players. They've still got um, Mateta. Uh, Ebrizi Eze so they've got some very good players despite um, their form at the moment I'm going to go with a big scoring game 3-2 to Tottenham interesting they still have a few injuries the likes of I still believe Adogi's out and Pedro Porro which as we spoke about in the last podcast they do like to they do like to use those two fullbacks to push forward and create more width and more attacking threat for their side. However, the way that from what I've seen, they, they do have chances and they have the ability to create threat from other areas as I've spoken about. And I just I just feel that Tottenham will, will score lots of goals, making it a three two game. Yeah, Spurs they I think the biggest threat for them is they're able to create goals off the wings, um, the likes of Poro and Udogi. But with those players out, it changes the dynamic a little bit of the way they play. They've also had Van, Van de Ven out for m- most of the season, but they've still been able to have Romero in there. So their defense still strong. Um, and the likes of, again, Son, Richarlison, were not, I'm not going to repeat, um, Kulisevsky, another name as well. Uh, so they've, you know, got a very dangerous squad. Um, I think they'll score goals in this game. I'll go with her 3-1 Spurs win. Fair enough. Should we move on? Sheffield, Arsenal. Arsenal playing away. Sheffield, bottom of the table or second bottom? They're, they're bottom, sitting right at the bottom. Hopes of staying up not looking very good. I think they're going to go back down to the championship. Mm-hmm. We speak a lot about Arsenal and I like to speak a lot about Arsenal and I'll continue to speak a lot about Arsenal. <laughs> only good things. Only, only good things. If we could take the Newcastle win away with us and put it to Sheffield, I think... I think this game has the potential to be a cricket score. Yeah, but it also has the potential to be maybe a little bit closer than what people think as relegation sides, especially in the back end of the season, they like to play a certain way that frustrates the other team. And put in... Um, play very defensively, as in very accounting attacking football. They like to hold back, so that hold back, play a five-back with two DMs, so they're essentially playing with a seven-back, and it will be hard for Arsenal it's going to, to be it'll be tough for Arsenal to consider break them down and that's Jesus out. and that's I think I think that's the way that Sheffield United are going to play again Sheffield they're they're just about gone I think I think really the championship is calling for them and they're going to look to frustrate us um, we're the ones that need to go there and get the job done um, and we should get the job done and I think we should get the job done um, score prediction I'll go with a 3-0 win. 
I'm gonna go with three nil as well. I'm gonna agree with Sam. I believe we will be able to get some goals. Sheffield will drop, and we have some good players. The like we have some good players that will be able to be very creative. And you know, Mikel Teda always finds a way to score goals. And yes, we don't have we don't have a conventional striker putting Lissandro Trossard and Kai and Kai Havertz playing as a cam in a false nine, which allows our wingers to push even more forward, which is good. Mm-hmm. We do need Jesus back. We've, we've got some tough games coming up. City, Chelsea and Liverpool. We've got our, ne- our next couple of games. We've got Brentford yeah, after Sheffield yeah, Brentford. and then Chelsea. And then City. we go away to City, which is going to be a very a very big game as we know and I hope Jesus will be back by then I don't think he will but we do need him back because I don't think we can rely on Kai Havertz and Lissandro Trossard to play as those false nine slash Mm -hmm. centre mid slash cam roles I think we can rely on Trossard I'm not saying that we can't rely on Havertz I think we can rely on Trossard but I'm just wondering when Jesus comes back the the wingers aren't going to be able to get forward as much, you know, the likes of Saka and Martinelli, they're not going to be able to get as get forward as much. Um, so that's again something for Arteta to think about. You know, do we want Jesus playing and Saka and Martinelli not getting involved, or do we want them to get involved and he's going to start with with Trossard there? Um, but that's that's going to be for later on, not at the moment. Um, I'm going again. Arsenal win. We should go there and get the job done. I'm not predicting anything else. Um, it'll be difficult, and it could be closer than what people think, but I think, yeah, 3-0 is probably what I think will, will come out of it. Should we move on to the game of the weekend, the Manchester Derby? Let's get into it. Big game. Big, Big game. game, this one. Should we speak about it first? Yes, we'll, we'll speak about that. Um... Manchester Derby at the Etihad. Um, Manchester City not not in the greatest form at the moment, despite winning 1-0 at Bournemouth. You know, before that, picking up a draw to Chelsea. Um, and they've got a run of really tough games coming up. Like after after United, they've got to go away to away to Liverpool, away to Brighton, which isn't easy. And then and Villa. No, I, I don't. Villa in a while. Villa in a few weeks. They have, they they play us. They play us, and then they play Villa. And they play Villa. They have Manchester City probably have one of the hardest runs. But look, listen, out of all the top but, six, seven sides. But listen, I think City, if they want to win the league, this this is where they either win the league or they they fold out of the title race. Um, I don't think folding would be the case, but it would just put them a couple of points. Off if they aren't able to pick up results in these games, um, and it's going to be very difficult for them. But you, again, you can't really doubt City. Man United, on the other hand, well, after building up a little bit of form, um, all of a sudden a loss to Fulham and some chances of making top four are extinguished. But this is the kind of game where United can come and get a result, like they've done it in the past. And they've done it in the past to Man City. 
Um, I'm not saying that it's going to happen again, but, you know, Man United, they have pulled off some surprises um, before against, uh, against, against City even at the Etihad. If, what do you think? If Manchester United played the way they played against Fulham, I think Manchester City will tear them apart. Yes, in the Bournemouth game. I think this game um, will go. Yes, in the Bournemouth game, Haaland, well, all attacking players were not very clinical. They didn't finish very well. I still believe, I still believe that Pep will put them, put their heads Put their heads in, show heads them where the they're games. at, show them where they're at, show them what they want and how they want it. And I think they'll come in full charge against against Manchester City and against Manchester United, sorry. <coughs> and they will end up winning the game. Score prediction? Oh, no, actually, no. We're, no, we're, no not, we're, we're not going to get into that. We've got another, another little bit. I forgot. We've got another little activity that we're doing. New with, segment on the podcast. We are, before every big game, we're going to be doing a best 11 Manchester edition. Um, this is not all time. This is current form. In the 2023-2024 calendar year. And overall of this season. And so that's what we're going like off. to like to point out, well, in my opinion, I, in most positions, Manchester City are the better, are the better team. I mean, have better positions in all in, in the goalkeeping defence midfield and attacking roles however it is a Manchester Manchester 11 hence you need <coughs> you need Manchester Manchester United and Manchester Manchester City players should, mm-hmm. we, should we read it out? let's read it out shall we? okay no you wanna so I've got Edison goal yeah I've got Edison Edison i got Walker Yes, I've got Walker in there. Uh, Centre backs. Yeah, you could argue Dallow, but Walker's been more more consistent. More more, more experience as well. More I think again. And Dallow, he's been alright. Nothing so special. But we're gonna go with Walker. Stones and Kanji as my two centre backs. See, I've got different. I've gone Raphael Varane. And again, we're also going overall. I I don't I don't think he's been the best of form at times, but. When I've watched United play, he's performed all right. Um, I don't think he's set the world alight. Probably not when he was... I think he he set the world alight when he was at Madrid, but probably not alight coming to United. And I've gone Ruben Diaz. I've, I've talked about this a lot. I think Ruben Diaz is one of the best centre-backs in the world and one of the best in the league. Big claim. Big, big claim. And then at left-back, I've gone... Luke Shaw. I've, I've also got Luke Shaw instead Be- of Ake. Because we've we've got to give Man United some love, but, um, but not like we d- don't just not just discrediting Luke Shaw. Pers- personally, personally, I like Luke Shaw. I like the way he plays, as he plays in the left centre back role as well as on the left back position. And I I still think he's a he's a good player. However, and he is and he is in my eleven because we have to give Manchester United love. Yes. Sure. Midfield, I don't think there's too much to converse to conversate about. Casemiro and Rodri as my two DMs. Yeah. For you. Yep. I've gone Casemiro, Rodri De- again. De Bruyne. Again. As my ten. Yep. De Bruyne is the ten as well for me. I think Casemiro. Again, world class DM. Um, one of the, one of the best. He's very strong. 
um, very physical as well. So he can, you know, and, and and he can also track back and play as like another um, defensive midfielder. And Rodri, well, it explains it for himself. He's, um, you know, he, he always seems to read the play every single time. Um, and he's also very commanding in that midfield. I think most of the games that he's not played in Man City haven't been able to get results. So it maybe even shows that Rodri is more important than a De Bruyne or a Haaland. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you there. Yes, Rodri... I mean, yes, De Bruyne and Haaland have been outstanding players. Rodri has been able to hold hold the black line, play as a, play as a third centre-back, but also push up into the 8 role, into the 10 role, and bag a few goals for himself. He's been a good player, but I think worth mentioning from Manchester United, yes, I don't think he belongs in this team. McTominay, I mean, I'm a bit of a fan. Like, I kind of like the way he plays, and he has been one of the big game players for for Manchester United, scoring a few late late game goals. He's got, I think he's up there top three high goal scorers from Man United as a as an eight and as a six, and he he will be able he, he's able to play well. I don't think he'll play well against the United um, Manchester City. I midfield. Think Manchester City's midfield is under wraps and they'll they'll destroy most midfields. However, I do believe that. McTominay against other sides, he has been, he's, he's, he's played all right. Should we move definitely, on? Definitely on the rise, the he is. forwards. Moving on, we're going to go to the wingers and the striker. I think the striker, we'll start with the striker. I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Haaland, we'll get that out of the way. Um, and then the wingers, I've gone interesting. I've gone Foden on the right, and I've gone Marcus Rashford on the left yeah I've got the same we'll start I'll, I'll start off with with Rashford yes has he been so good lately not really however you do have to put he him he is a very dangerous player however, yeah he's a dangerous player and, he, and we have seen some good things especially last season but also in the later parts of the 2023 in 2023 campaign he has he has put in some good performances and you, you could most certainly argue he doesn't deserve to be there. However, we need to give Manchester United some love. Mm-hmm. And on the right, I don't think you can say no to Foden the way he's been playing recently. He's been able to be one of those big game players and replace the way that um, your Gundogan's and your Riyad Mahrez has have been playing under Pep the past however many seasons before their departures. And Foden has stepped up into that role. And he's doing a really, really good job at it. Creating lots of chances. Back to goal over the weekend. But got the hat trick. He got the hat trick against Brentford. Well, and I, I believe going going back to hat tricks, last season in this exact game, Man City versus Manchester United at the Etihad, Man City absolutely destroyed Manchester United. I believe the score was six six three. Ha- both Haaland and Foden. Picked up three goals. Holland. Obviously, the refs. Who do you think they gave the ball to? Foden. No, Holland. They gave know. they gave the ball to Holland, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they both did a match interview together, and Holland gave Foden the ball. So, I guess that was a sign of things to come from Holland that he's not gonna get every ball, 
but he's he's going to give the ball. He's going to, um, you know, he's also going to be that team player. Again, not not all about him. So he's going to be the team your player. Your score predictions for the United Derby? Oof, oh, sorry, the Manchester, Manchester Derby. Oof, I've been on on the edge of this one. I think this game will go either way. I think it will be very close, or I think City will just roll United. So score. Um. Oof. I'm gonna go. I'm going to go with a 3-1 City win. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm just going to go 2-0. However, I do believe Manchester U, Manchester City will dominate with the ball. They'll dominate with possession as they always do. And, and that will create into chances and goals. Yeah, create chances and goals. However, I just don't think they'll be able to score 3-4-5 goals. And I don't think United will be able to cope with... Yeah, City are very physically strong um, at the back, um, and I think they'll they'll get beaten up in the midfield, um, and the likes of Haaland, De Bruyne, Foden, all the, all those all those dudes will run through the United defence. So I'll go with a three-one, but we're also giving a goal to United as well. Yeah, thank you, Sam. That wraps up. That wraps up the, the third episode. Third episode of the podcast. As Hope we... you guys enjoyed. Um, getting into the business end of the season now. Um, yes, title race. The title race is heating up. Heating up. Um, stay tuned for more talks about that. Stay tuned for more. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Well, see you on the next episode. Yes. Goodbye.